0: Oh, man. Doesn't it feel good? I, it has to, well, I guess for some people. Uh, I, I, I know people that this, the whole concept, of the holiday season infuriates them on some level, and they're just so oh, you know, happy holidays, my ass, that kind of thing. But uh, no, I thought that I needed this. This is just everybody at least pretending to be pleasant in the lighter uh, mode. Overall, I watched some goofy Christmas stuff. I that with uh, this Klaus with a K. On what Disney or Netflix, somewhere there, but that was very fun and goofy, and uh, I have to admit, even though it was terrible, pretty much. I mean, it wasn't awful, but the uh, that 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 new Pinocchio by uh, the bit that's on Netflix, not the Disney one, it really did have that Rankin Bass. 70s TVs, late 60s, early 70s TV thing. Although really now, who makes the editorial decision that it's this dated, cheesy, bad, show tune style music that seems to accompany these Christmas specials and in general, things intended for children children don't listen to that that's like even when I was a kid that was like oh come on will you get rid of this cheese already Uh, yeah there's a lot of bad stuff out there kids but Merry Christmas and Santa Claus and yep I'm not a Christian per se I mean most Christians would certainly not consider me a fellow Christian but this Christmas is Christmas. It's every year I went to my dad and stepmom's house, and we had Christmas Eve, slept over, got up and had Christmas, and stayed till dinner time and went home. So there's all of that frission and memories and warmth and um, I do a little shameless self promotion. Uh, if well, it will be out hopefully christmas or really shortly after but you'll have time during the week between christmas and new years uh the next patch yes i have revived the fine art of the podcasting patch onsug style and uh if you want to figure out more about it just go to onsug.com because patch triple double oh one triple oh one i think double oh one i don't think i'm that ambitious that i think i'm gonna do ever more than 999 of them uh it's a little over six hours and uh yes you must hear all of it no skipping anything you got to do it because this is what night radio is all about EQ River style, I guess, at least. Anyways, um, we are here, and uh, as of the moment, we have both Doc Slees and Frank Edward Nora here to share some of their holiday memories. And uh, without further ado, I am curious to hear what Doc Slees has on his mind.
1: Well, we've reached that point in the run-up to Christmas when the BBC's daytime schedules... Sees the usual cavalcade of soaps, quiz shows and lifestyle programs, give way to family-friendly kids films and comedy repeats of previous year's seasonal seasonal specials. I remember when I was working full-time, this became a magical time of year as I glimpsed this promised land of -of out-of-the-ordinary programming if I was able to get home for lunch. One year when I was recovering from a cold, I remember being so tired that I started to fall asleep on the sofa as I indulged in the nostalgia of an ancient Christmas episode of Only Fools and Horses. I always thought that once I was free of work, and most specifically that lousy, that last lousy job from hell, um, I'd be able to spend the week before Christmas crashed out on the sofa enjoying the warm embrace of daytime TV Christmas course it hasn't worked out that way Uh, as this week i find myself once again recovering from a cold and consequently feeling exhausted so tired in fact that i seem to have spent most of the day dozing off on the sofa or sometimes even back on my bed which is ironic as if i were still working at that job this is the week when i'd feel that i was slogging exhausted you know barely keeping my eyes open toward the finishing line represented by the 23rd or 24th of December when I'd finished for the year, praying that nothing urgent came up that would entail me spending my evening standing on some angry psychopath's doorstep, trying to serve them with some legal document whilst they screamed at me how I was ruining Christmas. And even then, once I managed to reach that promised land of time off, I'd usually have to be on call for the days between Christmas and New Year, in order to get the time off, meaning that I can never really enjoy those days properly, as I could never relax. Anyway, I was put in mind of all this, as during one of my snoozes today, I, uh, I actually had a couple of dreams related to that old job. As my dreams always are these days, they were very vivid and somewhat bizarre. Anyway, the one I remember from today's best involved my old manager assisting me at a repossession and succeeding in wrecking the building by bringing down several huge heaps of hoarded stuff that that filled the entire property. Which is how I knew it was a dream. That particular manager had to be dragged kicking and screaming into the field to assist anybody. In fact, he eventually succeeded in suing the department for a work-related injury, not incurred in the field, but incurred when he tripped over a carelessly placed mailbag in the office. He later succeeded in retiring on health grounds based upon this injury. Anyway, (laughs) the dream took another strange turn when one of the contractors who's meant to be securing the building started urging the owner to sue us for damages which got him into trouble with his manager which in turn resulted in me as a union rep as I was in this dream taking his side. People then started taking sides generally in an industrial dispute and I woke up before we got to picket lines and demos. Interestingly, all through the dream, I sort of knew it was a dream as I was well aware that I no longer worked in that job and kept trying to people that, trying to tell people that to absolutely no avail. Nobody would listen, which is in contrast to many of my other recent dreams where I seem to be having ever more complicated conversations and discussions with people in them, or rather with myself, of course, as they all take place in my head. And at least one of my dreams seemed, seems to be prophetic, though. A couple of years ago, I dreamed that a friend was running a bookshop. It was so vivid that I texted her the next day to ask if she'd bought a bookshop. Not surprisingly, she hadn't. But just the other day, in passing, she mentioned in a text that she and her sister had recently opened a bookshop. You know, I'm still trying to get her to elaborate on this to find out if it is like the one she was running in the dream. I mean, it's spooky stuff, eh? But anyway... I'm not here to ruminate on Christmas's past or even my dreams of Christmas's past or my dreams generally. We're here to talk generally about Christmas, you know. You know this Christmas for the first time in my lifetime we won't have the queen addressing us on Christmas day. No more will we hear going on about my husband and I and telling us what a terrible year they is. Billionaires had, you know, one of their palaces had dra- damps had to move into one of the other half does. You know, this sort of thing. Instead, we'll have the king for the first time. Uh, indeed, no doubt you're going, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One's... I, One would have written written, written something in advance, but but one's bloody pen didn't work. Yeah. (laughs) That's a little ritual of mine, not doing bad impersonations of the Royal family, but it's a little Christmas day ritual of mine. I wait until it comes up to three o'clock when the queen or this year the King comes on, just as if I'm gonna watch them. (laughs) Then I change channels and put a DVD on. (laughs) again but <laughs> it's pure awful hey. Uh, the only queen speech I ever watching christmas days one year in direct competition to the queen's speech and channel 4 had their alternatives queen's queen speech aptly delivered by quentin crisp the <laughs> self-described stately homo of england it was very entertaining <coughs> but yes but what words of wisdom can I come up with for this Christmas you know I don't know because you know there was a time when I wasn't really into Christmas but hey you know as one gets older um, we come full circle when we're children it means everything this time of year you know it's a time of anticipation and everything and as one gets older you begin you know begins to mean more to you again is it well one when I was working it was a time that offered me a little oasis a little respite from the chaos of the rest of you right in the middle of of winter the absolute worst time to be doing that particular job but equally it becomes that time they say to relax to catch up with family and friends often to you know um, a time of goodwill to all men Although I would say, I would say, surely we should really be extending that spirit of goodwill all year round, not just for a couple of weeks in December. But yeah, but gradually, you know, it comes to me more. You know, I didn't used to have Christmas decoration. I do now. I sort of have lots of bloody Christmas lights up here because Christmas lights have become very cheap now, and they're, they're LEDs and they're battery powered, so they're really cheap to run as well i don't run the risk of, of the house burning down like the were the mains ones you know the transformer exploding burning the house down i don't have that worry in fact only today i purchased a fabulous set of new lights to go on my christmas tree and they are amazing you know the programmer they, they flash they have different patterns you can set them to different passion patterns to flash to or you can, just as I do at the moment, have them on the general thing, where they just go through the cycle of every variation on their flashing. You know, they do waves, they do fade in, fade out. It's absolutely bloody amazing. Cost me all of one pound fifty, plus the cost of some batteries. I found the batteries at the back of a drawer. I've had them for over a year, not using my amazed They work. <coughs> one pound fifty. That's because we're also at that time of, of um, the approach to Christmas, when retailers are beginning to panic because sales are down this year and they are slashing the prices on all Christmas related goods in the attempt, in an attempt to get them off their shelves. So I took advantage. But yeah, absolutely bloody amazing. When I was a kid, those were things, you know, they, things like that. Only the, the wealthy had things like that, you know. <laughs> We had Christmas lights, they're always mains ones. And if one bulb went, the whole bloody lot went out, and, you know, caused endless frustration. You used to have to, to, if you didn't have a spare bulb, you had to try and bridge by sticking tin foil into the socket and thereby risking short circuit and the tree catching fire. But hey, those are innocent days when we just accepted that as one of the hazards of Christmas. But yes, <clears throat> But Christmas is that time of year. Do you know, I do lots of things like Christmas I never used to. I think it's an age thing. Christmas is the season of sentimentality. There's no doubt about it. You see it in all the Christmas-related programmes, all the Christmas-related acts. And do you know something? It's the only time of year I open myself to such sentimentality. You know that? I really do. You know? I watch all those TV commercials which concern underprivileged kids suddenly having the joy of getting a Christmas present or seeing their parents united and they move me. They move me this time. I allow them to move me, you know, because it's okay. It's the season of goodwill. You're meant to feel that way. It's good to let these feelings out. The rest of the year, I'm a cynic, but Christmas, I'm prepared to open myself to this blatant emotional manipulation and sentimentality. Hey, it's Christmas it's Christmas as Noddy Holder used to shout god I saw Noddy Holder the other day it makes me realize how many you know, how old I must be because you know I remember him when he was a, a youngish guy fronting Slade singing Merry Christmas on top of the pops every bloody Christmas and now he's a he's a wizened old man <clears throat> hey uh, <laughs> but a wizened old man with a very good pension fund fund in the form of all the royalties he gets from that record because he wrote it that song as well as performing it so everything that's been covered everybody covers it every bloody year and he rakes in the royalties and good for him but yes getting back to the point what 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 wisdom can i give you this christmas Well, the wisdom, I would say, I mean, I'd say, yeah, the wisdom is. I mean, was Christmas TV has has engendered an emotional reawakening in me, perhaps, at this time of year. uh, (laughs) I can honestly say most of the important lessons I have learned in life, I have learned from popular culture. Most specifically from schlocky films and TV series. You know, so many words of wisdom from there, yeah, I still argue to this day, to this day that the Magnificent Seven, we're talking the original 1960 film, not that bloody abomination they made a few years ago. We're talking about which took its name in vain. We're taking, I say original, the original remake of the Seven Samurai, of course, but the original Western version, the Magnificent Seven, 19, yeah, the one with Yul Brynner and Steve McQueen. That contains every lesson a man needs to learn for life, you know. All these these, um, important lessons there that, you know, what is sometimes seen as weakness is in fact simply strength of another kind. And often what is seen as strength, is it really? I mean, because as we find the farmers may not be good at fighting necessarily, but the sacrifices they make in order to feed their families, feed, clothe, and home their families, show they have enormous strength and endurance. And the gunfighters who come to protect them, each of them has their own flaws and their own ways. You know, Robert Vaughan has lost his nerve, and so on, you know. Harry Luck is entirely venal, devotes his life simply to self enrichment, and so it goes on. And indeed, as Brinna Himself notes to horse colts, you know, it's simply, you know, being good at their job is simply a matter of being good with a gun. And there's nothing big or clever about that. Great lessons there for everyone. It's all about responsibility as well. And that's what motivates people. The farmers are motivated by the responsibility of their families. Likewise, Calvary, the bandit leader, is motivated by his sense of response, to some extent, by a sense of responsibility to the men are, in his bandit gang, he ha- again, he has to feed and clothe them just as the villagers do their children. It's just, you know, they'd rather rip somebody else off in order to do that rather than, <laughs> yeah you know, farm themselves or earn money honestly. Lots of lessons to be learned there, you know, and also that people aren't necessarily, their nature is not immutable. They can change. The farmers do learn to fight. Harry Luck does, in the end, come to his friend Chris's rescue, so leaving aside his—he he proves himself heroic and, in that moment, selfless. Robert Vaughn's character finds his nerve again and regains his self-respect. Not that it does anything good, because they, get, because they tend to most of them get gunned down. But that's not the point. <laughs> These are important lessons from pop culture for you to take in life. I mean, you know, as I say, you know, they're all there in popular culture. People laugh and sneer, but no, no. They're cliches, they're expressed in terms of cliches, but a cliche is a cliche because there is truth in it. It's an eternal truth. It's a goddamn cliche. As Nick Nolte says over and over again in 40 hours, it's a goddamn cliché because it has truth. Yeah, those lessons are there to be learned. The needs of the many must outweigh, logically the needs of the many must outweigh the needs of the few or the one. As Mr. Spock teaches us in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Can, a lesson for the ages, one that has lived with me. Yeah. It's a truism. We must look to the greater good sometimes. We must not be selfish all the time. Yeah, these lessons are all there, you know. These days, now, But this is one of my big bugbears about my last job in the public sector in the UK altogether, is they have a management culture now that mistakes ambition for ability simply because somebody's ambitious, that usually helps them up the greasy pole and gets them promotions and so on. But the trouble is they have no ability for the jobs, which is why management gets into such a mess as it frequently does. And unfortunately that causes problems for everyone. Because they won't recognise, as a wise man once said, ambition without education is like a ship on dry land. That was mister Miyagi. Miyagi in um, the, the Next Karate Kid, yeah. He tells Hilary Swank that, it's one of her first starring wrongs. People just don't learn this lesson. It increases this ideas as well in management. Sometimes you eat this tough love nonsense, you only really tougher, no. We rise according to the level of love we are shown. Papa Smurf, the Smurfs too. Trust me, you know, It's good advice. Listen, listen to it. It's the poetry of pulp. I keep telling people about this. You know, it is the poetry of pulp. There are lessons to be learned from popular culture. Don't just bloody dismiss it. I have learned all my my important life lessons have, have come from it. You know. Again, you know, I mean, it's... And indeed if when we seek a path through life and we should seek a path we should find a path because you know we need a code we need a path a code to live by we need that because we don't like have that we're like a ship adrift if you have a code a path you follow then you're like a ship that properly navigated you will get safely from port to port your journey may take a few twists and turns but in the end you can be assured you will be able to complete it safely. You will navigate those hazards. As the heroine of Suka Bandega 2, Legend of the Iron Mask Girl, is told late in the series, she learns the lesson. When there is no path in heaven and I can find no path to walk upon the earth, then I must follow the path of man. And the path of man lies in the human heart. It's about doing what you know to be right. Not what you think to be, what you believe to be right. But what you know in your heart is right. And the path of selflessness is always the correct path. See, wise words, wise words. You know, as I say, we would be wise to follow such ideas. So you see brothers and sisters out there. This is my message to you this Christmas. Yeah. This festive season is open yourselves up to the messages of popular culture. Learn from them, embrace them. Say it's the poetry of Pope Watch more schlock. Watch more schlocky films. Watch more low rent TV, Schlocky TV. The lessons are all there. You know, I spoke earlier this year on my own podcast about um, my sadness at the ending of Neighbours, the Australian soap opera that was a something of a favourite here, certainly for me, certainly for people of my age. Yeah, it taught lessons there, Neighbours. It was, it was, and that's why I lamented its passing. You know, it was all about the fact that ultimately. On Ramsey Street, where all took place, redemption and forgiveness were always possible, no matter what transgressions, as long as they didn't turn out to be serial killers, as, as happened at least once, twice in neighbours. Uh, characters could always find some form of redemption and forgiveness. It's a lesson there for us, you know, it's possible. We shouldn't just write people off because they have get transgressed. And you know, that's why I, I you know, I felt it very moving the special last episode of Neighbours that was broadcast and it, it, it tied the threads together and rounded the series off in a nice satisfactory manner. And then what happens? Amazon announces they're reviving it next year. I mean, for God's sake, I just thought we'd got closure on that for goodness sake. And now you're bringing it back? God, you're asking me to engage with it again? Just when I thought it was over and I got over it. Ha! Ah. <coughs> but, but we can but hope that as with its previous incarnation, the new neighbors still embraces these ideas. It still gives us the poetry of pulp, it produces this poetry of pulp. These messages that will seep into our subconscious, hopefully in permeate our minds, and hopefully make us better people if we open our hearts to them. Open your hearts to the schlock, people. Open your hearts to it all. Don't just miss, dismiss it. I know the tendencies that these days for television nowadays likes to have all these high-concept TV series on streaming channels that claim to be intellectual and try and befuddle you... But they teach you nothing, nothing at all compared to good, honest schlock. That's what pop culture's is about. The poetry of pulp. Believe you me. The less, as I've said, told you, the lessons you can learn from it are lessons you can live your life by and be a better person. So watch more of this stuff and we can all become better people and spread the message of schlock. Merry Christmas, everybody. Whatever it is you celebrate this time of year, have a good one. Enjoy yourselves.
0: Oh, bravo. Uh, Yet the gift of schlock is definitely a gift that keeps giving all year round, uh, Doc. And uh, we appreciate all of your efforts. I don't know how many cool things I have learned through your tutelage here and on your programs. If you haven't checked out Doc's other programs on the Overnightscape Underground, uh, that you oughta, you really should oughta. Uh, everybody needs a lot more Overnightscape in their life right now. Um, that the, that we have been imbued with these pop culture ethics he's completely right i think a lot of my sense of right and wrong and good and bad comes from these sources if like you are able to hook up electrodes and figure out where these impressions came from in my head. Uh, I just was raised by Spunky and Tadpole cartoons, maybe. It could be said, or Colonel Bleep, or Astro Boy, or his uh, underwater anime friend, Marine Boy, or their clone, uh, Prince Planet. Uh, yeah there were just all of these really strange and almost forgotten animes and uh, they would come and go on TV and who knew the difference I mean when you were a kid uh, I don't know that when something went off TV it was like it was broken or something it didn't it never came back usually uh, but that's it Like uh, Doc said again, uh, when you got to stay home uh, and you weren't sick for that solid week or so, or more, I mean, there were certain years, I think Christmas vacations seemed to go on for two weeks. But I don't know, it could be just that that memory of childhood extending and distorting things. But uh, WPIX uh, was, as far as I can recall, the first station... To pick up on the fact that uh, that there were kids at home, and it might be nice to put some extra kids stuff on for those two weeks. They'd put on all just crappy extra cartoons and stuff, but at least you know during school hours that the, the uh, institution of daytime TV would take over, and be like soap operas and talk shows and a lot of like housewife-aimed programming. Um, And, you know, when you're a kid and you're homesick, that's what you watch during those hours because they're real. And you got that there were mysteries. I mean, uh, you'd get to watch this soap opera here and there during the summer for a little bit. And then, like, months would have gone by. And soap operas, especially back then, moved so slowly. Yeah, you'd come back months later, and you could still sort of pick up what was going on. I don't know. God. Holiday. And that just that feel. Uh, And... I, as a kid, I always wondered why there was no Christmas parade. Of course, it's a, back then, it was a solemn and sanctified holiday. And you have parades on Thanksgiving. And then a week later, I mean, New Year's morning, uh, there were a couple, usually the Tournament of Roses and some other one. There were always uh, more than one parade on New Year's. I think there's just... I think the Macy's one won the contest or something, although I could be wrong. Parades in general. Poor poor Victor R. Gook. Uh, he would be very disappointed in the way humanity has gone as far as parades and all that. But, uh, yeah, the, the the gift of schlock keeps giving, and I do very much commend Doc Slees always and especially for joining us here on uh, this Christmasy goofball, stupidy, yeah, like that kind of episode. Um, and now we've got Frank Edward Nora, uh, uh, and we can gather around the Grogu tree. Well, uh, like, like Doc, uh, I, I got the cheap LED lights, and they were very cheap, and they're so bright and colorful and juicy that uh, uh, the temptation to leave these up year-round is going to be strong, because it's just kind of neo-psychedelic in the Nietzsche Legatura Institute as we speak anyways um, yeah Frank Edward Nora take over I remember Christmas when I was a kid just being a
2: really magical time you know my parents especially my mother was really good at you know doing the decorating and building up the hype we always had a you know a, a real a real tree with that real pine scent right and um, the decorations and everything. It was just amazing. And, of course, all bent toward the ultimate goal of getting presents and toys, which were so important back then. You know, it's gone total, it's totally different now. I've seen so many kids over the past couple decades, you know, my my relatives and friends' kids on Christmas and all the stuff that they get and it is just this extravaganza of so much stuff it doesn't even seem to sink in or they don't seem to care about it as much because I think toys have, have become much cheaper now uh, compared to the buying power of the average parent. Um, back in the day, the presents were really very expensive The, the, the toys were expensive. Something like uh, an Atari 2600 in the, in the late 70s, early 80's was three or four hundred dollars, which is like a, over like twelve hundred dollars. Just an estimate in today's money, massively expensive, you know. Those cartridges being 20 or $30, again, like $80, 90 $100 in today's money. Uh, for one Atari cartridge, right, you wouldn't get very many. Like, like when, when you went over to your friend's house and they had a certain game. I, remember, I, don't, I don't think I had River Raid, but my friend Charles had River Raid. It was amazing to play River Raid over his house. Listen, <laughs> that's the one game to get. You got to get River Raid, okay? That's a good one. Well, we had Pitfall, which, uh, yes, (laughs) which which was another great one to have, obviously. Um, Anyway, so thinking about it, you know, it was all – how much of it was just the desire to get presents, toys especially, right? The magic of thinking that you're going to get these toys and a lot of toys. You never got as many toys as you got on Christmas. Your birthday, you got a few. I remember for Easter – my, real, my, my grandparents may give me a few little things. You got little toys, but the, the big ones were birthday and, and, and Christmas. And uh, man, was that something to look forward to. We couldn't wait. We were counting the days till Christmas. It was so exciting. And, uh, you know, I, and then again, also just the, the presents other like your brothers and sisters and your cousins that what everyone else got was interesting, too, especially your brothers and sisters, because they're in the same house. You could probably play with those toys, too. Uh, how much of it was just that—the desire to get stuff? Because I know people want to say it's this, you know, the spirit of the season, and it's getting together, and you know, it's the all commonality and stuff. I don't know the food, you know. I don't know. To me, it was all about the toys, you know. And uh, but I loved it. I loved it. Again, it was a, a wonderful time as a kid to, for Christmas as a kid in the seventies, there, on into the eighties. And, um, you know, my family was not religious at all. I mean, my family was sort of just ignored religion. My parents were not particularly, they never said, oh, we're atheists. Like, they never really were that staunch about it or anything. If anyone brought up, oh, yeah, whatever. that, Yeah, okay, religion, whatever. That whole God thing, whatever. It wasn't, as far as I recall, it wasn't really very, it was a bit dismissive, but it wasn't really terribly dismissive. I understood some people were religious, but we weren't. But it's not like we had a problem with people who were religious. So, yeah, I remember up the street, the Baronios. You can see two of the Baronios in, uh, in the, uh, the complete polarized worlds. And also in the pol- polarized worlds itself, like Doctor Who fan film from 85. The Baronio kids are there. And, the, and so I guess their parents were kind of religious, and they would always have this... You know, they had a, a garage... Um, with windows, and they, they would put the letters, they would spell out, He is coming. And, you know, you might think they're talking about Santa Claus, but I think they were talking about Jesus Christ, you know? He is coming back, finally. Everyone's been waiting. That's Christian. They've been waiting for Jesus to come back and fix everything in this terribly broken world. But, I mean, I, I guess I was sort of aware that there was a religious side to it, but especially during that Peanuts Christmas special, which was so good. Then Linus starts spouting Bible verses, like, what the hell is this kid talking about, you know? (laughs) What the hell? So saith the Lord. Aren't you supposed to be a fun cartoon character? Why are you bringing everyone down with these Bible quotes, Linus? Come on! But, I mean, I do find, I mean, for my current aesthetic, I do find it kind of that innocent kind of um, references to the Bible or to God and stuff. Definitely kind of, I don't know if you say endearing or... Tragic, or there's, there's something compelling about that, you know. And I think, as I've talked about, I, I do think it's kind of like weird how children are sort of, uh, you know, indoctrinated in this religion. When, you know, we're supposed to have freedom of religion, and, and I know what are the parents supposed to do? They're religious; their kids, they're going to teach their kids the same religion. And obviously, most people can make their own choice, and a lot of people do leave the religion when they get older. But I don't know; I feel very. I'm very happy. My father actually asked me this the other day that, you know, how do you feel having not grown up with religion? I said, I'm I'm fine with that. It was great. It was great. Great. It was great not to have any religion. It's a a spirituality, the nature of reality. All that is something I'm super interested in. But um, the sort of, you know, the sense of belief is not something that I. You know, I feel is especially useful. Right. It seems that. You know, we're all in a position where any information that we get is suspect. And I want to hear all the information, but, you know, as far as twisting my arm or trying to indoctrinate or brainwash me to believe one set of information doesn't seem very, very groovy, does it? I mean, you know, I I view the generalities of most religions as if you you look at them in the most generic sense— there may be some truth to that. I would tend to think there is some truth that there is some sort of higher power and things like that. But when they get into the real specifics and stuff, I mean, especially when we talk about Christianity, which is what Christmas and holiday season is all about, you know, at least uh, in, this, in this time and place. Uh, I know there's been a war on Christmas. That's a whole separate thing. But, um, you know, the idea that the Savior was born and we're celebrating the birth of the Savior, the nativity scene, away in a manger, right, all this other stuff, the three wise men coming, the whole that whole thing, right, which was again, if you really well, anyway, maybe we will analyze it, but the idea that right, salvation comes through Christ dying on the cross for the sins of humanity like, that is where things get awfully specific and that's where it's like, wow, wait a minute and they sort of hammer this point, that's the whole point of Christianity, right? Well, not all forms of Christianity, but the main Christianity people know about today, you know, and that's very much, you know, imbued in, in, into Christmas and holiday season. Um And it is a bit hard to take. I mean, especially if you're not into it, if you're not a member of that religion, you know, it's not like. No, I know so many people. They hear about the religion and they're like, "Oh my God, it's rejected a hundred percent." I'm not rejecting it a hundred percent. I'm, but I'm just, you know. If I look at it, I'm going to say, well, this part of it might, you know, that there is a God or there is some higher power. That's could be likely. I'm not going to believe one way or the other, but if I had to give it a a number, you know, I think probably, yeah, high 90s percent. There's some kind of higher power out there that people, some people may call God. But the word God means a million different things to a million different people, you know, Um, you know. Do you have to accept Jesus or else otherwise you're going to hell for all eternity? Yeah, that doesn't—I'd give that a much, much, much lower number, you know. That's just me. But I just remember as a kid just kind of, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. That. What about Santa Claus? You know, so Santa Claus now is this— Right, so there's an entire Christmas that is completely secular, basically, right? It's consi- well, obviously Christ, Jesus Christ. The Christ is in Christ Mass, Christmas, Right the name is in there but the whole concept of Santa Claus the guy in the red suit with the big he's a white dude he's with a big white beard and the big red suit that apparently and I you know I don't know if I've ever seen anyone refute it was that vision of Santa Claus Santa Claus was uh created in an ad campaign by uh by Coca-Cola that vision of of Santa Claus um just as one of their mascots, just the same as how in the mid-1980s, Max Headroom was their mascot, you know. <laughs> and, of course, the uh, bizarre situation where children... I don't know how this started. I'm sure there's been there's many analyses online about this whole thing, about how uh, this uh, vision of Santa Claus as sort of created by Coca-Cola... We all know the story... Maybe some of you don't. If you're living in the future, you may have no Santa Claus. What are you talking about? You know, we don't know if it's going to be popular hundreds of years from now. I don't know. Hey, sorry, I had to pause there for a second. My neighbor walked by. Um, I was talking to my neighbor. So, what was I saying? So, it's sort of this idea that you're going to. So, all right, the idea of Santa Claus, which I think we all know in this time period, but the idea is that there's this. Supernatural man. Sometimes they call him an elf, so he's Elvin or an elfin. He's like a he's he's humanoid. He looks like a human, but he has magical powers, right? And one of the songs or poems or whatever they call him a jolly old elf, sort of implying he's some sort of supernatural being, like a, like maybe he's an Anunnaki or something, you know. And the idea is he has a toy factory on the North Pole. He's not really. A, he's not physically like the elves that he employs. He employs these sort of short humanoid elf people (laughs) to make the toys in a factory in the North Pole. And um, he works all year long. He makes a list of who's good and who's bad, right? And if you're good, you get a nice present. And if you're bad, you get some coal in your stocking, a bunch of coal. And, And then on... Christmas Eve, he flies out in his flying sleigh, which is like a sled kind of thing, by with 12, 12 magic reindeer. Is it 12? You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Donner and Cupid. No, no, something in Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. Eight magic reindeer? But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Yes, Rudolph became a, an official reindeer in the song. Was that Gene Autry or something that's saying that? I don't know. But anyway, he flies around the entire Earth delivering presents to every single boy and girl on Earth, right? And, uh, you know, and parents are sort of uh, encouraged in some way. I I don't know how this all got started. Again, I'm sure there's analyses online about this, but that, uh, you know, Santa Claus comes to your house and everyone else's house delivers these presents. So you leave out milk and cookies for Santa. He comes down the chimney into your fireplace, you know, using magic, of course, you know. And, uh, you know, the smart kids would be like, what's the world population again? Like back then, back in my day, when I was a kid, it was like four billion. Now it's eight billion, five, four or five billion or something in the 70s. Uh, and how many kids are there out of that? So there's hundreds of millions of children and how long does it take to deliver presents to the average house, landing on the roof with the magic reindeer, going down the chimney, eating the cookie? How many cookies is this guy going to eat? How much glasses? Of, he's going to drink 100 million glasses of milk and 200, 300 million cookies? The smarter kids would sort of asking questions like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> and, and oh, it's, he, he's magic. Now, I remember as a kid a a very early memory of going to see Santa at a department store. It may have been... I'm trying to think where it may have been. Because there was a big... uh, Was it Bambergers, maybe, in in Newark, New Jersey? And then, of course, there was Bambergers at the uh, Menlo Park Mall, where I just went recently. But this was definitely my memory. It's almost a dreamlike vestigial memory of going to a uh, I remember there was like a hallway it was almost like it was a department store but it it was sort of like in their back area maybe the stock rooms or something were like one of them one of those kind of the offices or something were repurposed to be sort of like a place you want to meet Santa Claus and I remember I remember going to meet Santa and uh, I'm and I met Santa Claus, I sat on his lap and they took the picture and then I, I think I asked my mother or this may be that my mother told me this afterwards, the reason why I have any memory of this, I'm like, well, you know, uh, this is just, so I said something to the point that, well, this is just one area of New Jersey, right? Like, aren't there other parts of the country and other parts of the world so is that the Santa Claus like, that's at our local like, department store? I must have been like three or four years old, and, and my mother had a good answer. She's like, well, you know, uh, Santa sends his elves out. He has so many elves, and they can sort of fill in for Santa. They're, they're kind of, uh, so she was saying that that was one of Santa's elves that I met. It wasn't really Santa. <laughs> that was her kind of, you know, trying to give me some sort of explanation for it. But you know, I had my suspicions. But I did believe. I think, and I remember that I believed until I was eight years old. I remember um, <clears throat> I was a believer. I believed in Santa Claus. And I think my uh, my cousin Bob, Bobby, who's a couple, a year or two older than me, was saying that. Uh, I, I think he was messing with me. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, we heard uh, we heard these footsteps on the roof." And we looked out, and there were, there were reindeer tracks on our roof. I'm like, oh, really? So that's one kind of proof this guy's telling. My cousin's telling me he saw the, some proof. He saw some reindeer tracks. We couldn't really see. I don't think we ever saw it on our roof, but I think he was just messing with me. And uh, I think eventually, I, 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 was, I, I still believed believe for a long time because my parents are telling me. How do you know anyth- How do you know anything in the world? People around you tell you stuff. Your parents, teachers, stuff you see on TV. In comic books, whatever you just—that's the stuff in the world, and and you know you know oh some things are real, some things aren't real, but Santa Claus is real. Um, and it's still kind of a a sore point, you know. You oh you can't say anything about Santa around the kids; they still believe in Santa Claus. Now I don't know what what the current situation is if kids still believe in Santa Claus. Um, but isn't that bizarre? It's this sort of character, and um, you know these days, you know. And for a long time, there was all these billboards, put Christ back in Christmas. You know, like, especially some real holy rollers would, uh, or some real holy Joes, to quote. Remember I played that clip on uh, the other side recently. I love that clip. It's from a movie called Rock. It's Your Decision. It's about how Christians can't listen to rock music. It's, uh, (laughs) he's like, I don't, I I didn't think my friends would want to pal around with some holy Joe. (laughs) But yeah, they would be like you know, they're like, you know, if you look at the name Santa, you know, you can rearrange the letters to spell Satan, you know. Which you can actually. Um They're like it's Satan in disguise. The red, okay, Satan's a devil with red red devil with red horns and this guy's wearing red. Like it's actually the devil. Uh but obviously Santa Claus is a lot more fun than than, than this whole Jesus thing, you know. Santa's is this, this sort of jolly rotund. He's he's overweight. He's because he 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 enjoys life. He eats a lot. He enjoys life. He loves what he does. He loves his job. He's a real happy guy, you know, happy-go-lucky guy. Meanwhile, this other guy is like hanging on a cross, being tortured, and oh my, the weight of the world is on his shoulders. Oh, yeah. You know. So Santa 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 Claus is like this much more fun character, especially for kids, you know. It's wild, you know, but then you see the nativity scenes out there and. Uh, I don't know, there's just something something like. There's just something off about the whole story, right, that. I understand. What's the story, Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus through immaculate conception. Um, The inn was full, they wouldn't. So they had to go into like a barn to have the baby. So she gave birth in a barn because they had no money they're real poor but then supposedly all these other people knew about this like the wise men right knew that the savior was going to be born so why didn't they they seemed to be pretty rich they brought gold frankincense and myrrh and let's forget about let's for, let's forget about the first two frankincense is myrrh okay i understand they're probably this guy had gold he he had gold coins okay why, like, immediately? Didn't? Wouldn't they, like, take them somewhere, right? Bring them to a palace somewhere to help raise the kid immediately. They knew this was the savior. It's, it's going to save the entire world. So, right? Why? Why? When the wise men came, like, why? Why didn't they just like uh, take them to some sort of like better accommodations or something? You know. Again, I know you're trying to apply logic to these stories, but you know and then there's sort of like this gap of who knows what happened in the childhood and then the stories of Jesus later on anyway um it's just i would say that the slight sense of all of this stuff making very little sense even as a kid it kind of you kind of it's just a very slight feeling of uh ease or um unease disease disease no unease like kind of with all this kind of stuff right but you get toys so like okay whatever i get toys um but it's also the idea of like it's really cold out but inside the christmas gatherings it's warm there's fireplaces there's warm drinks and you know (coughs) this of course takes us to the uh the old uh the old idea that um right we have uh seasons here on Earth, and especially in in, the north and south of the equator, get pretty extreme seasons. Like here in New Jersey, you get really hot summers and really cold winters with a lot of snow, so it goes back and forth. And the length of the day changes during the year, and around uh, December 21st or 22nd is this winter solstice, right? The shortest day of the year. Now, you might think that if you're gonna have a thing called a year, that's a that's a unit of measurement, right? I think this winter solstice would be a good place to begin and end it. But no, they added a couple weeks on there, right? They added yeah, that like you know ten days for some reason. The year ends ten days after the solstice. Um. So I think the idea. What do, what do some people say? The idea that. When Jesus Christ was crucified and died on the cross, he was then put into a cave, I guess like a crypt or something, and then was it three days later he he arose from the dead, right? right? And so I think that's what they say. Like you know, the solstice is sort of the, the like. If you didn't know any better, the days keep getting shorter and shorter, and if you if you if you weren't aware of the cycle, like oh my God, it's like God, it's is it's like uh. Hold on a second. Yeah, it's... um. Every day is, like, getting shorter and shorter. It's getting darker earlier and earlier. It's getting colder and colder. What, it, it, is this going to keep going? Is it, is it going to be, like, dark all the time? And is it going to get colder and colder to the point that everyone's frozen? What the heck's going to happen? And then a few days later, you start noticing, okay, now I can see the days are getting longer again. So they're saying that uh, that's why they chose the date... December 25th because it's when at the darkest time now you're seeing things are getting lighter so this like the death of the year is on the the solstice and then the rebirth begins a few days later when you start noticing okay the days are getting longer and (laughs) you know at least here it's gonna we're far from the, the coldest time is like January, February especially you know December, January, February like it's the coldest time I mean it's December is is uh, more than half over now. I thought it was the 16th. Yeah, 16th now, I think. It's pretty cold out here, but... Anyway, usually January, February is when you get the big snow and it gets super cold. And um, So the idea is that even before there was this Jesus Christ story, the idea is that everyone around the world had to sort of tolerate this. The day's getting sh- shorter. It's getting colder outside. So at the very... Worst of it, around the solstice, right you should have a celebration right to pick up everyone's spirits because because the because the, the, the weather and the situation kind of sucks right so why not have a celebration that now at this point the days are going to start getting longer and it's going to start getting warmer again in general So the idea is and again I'm sure there's many analyses of this that every culture has some sort of winter festival after that shortest day and that this long predates the Christian times and that they sort of just reverse-engineered, oh, Jesus Christ was born on December 25th, just sort of coinciding with these festivals and stuff. And, uh, you know, I think from what I know, the Christianity today was very, very much carried by the Roman Empire, right, that one emperor that adopted Christianity and sort of merging it in with the existing festivals and stuff. So that's so Christmas is this continuation of of a winter festival, and uh, it's interesting because I know I always get on this topic, but that talk Rupert Sheldrake gave recently about you know about his morphic resonance theory. Specifically about the holidays and holiday gatherings that this, the sense, this situation of a festival when it's the darkest, right, is a festival that's been going on thousands and thousands of years deep into human history. And that because of, you know, the idea of morphic resonance is that uh, we, we're sort of uh, repeating patterns from the past into the present that it just feels, it will feel natural and it will feel necessary because so many other people have done it in the past that you too will be part of a festival during this time, during this, these dark days of the winter, around the winter solstice. And that, that's why every culture has this kind of festival and that Christmas is just the latest uh, you know, iteration of that or the reflection of that resonating, right, that has been sort of uh, had this religion of Christianity overlaid on it, right? And then, of course, the war on Christmas, right? When I was a kid, everything was Christmas, right? It was all about Christmas all the time. And, uh, you know, I was essentially not religious, I was not a Christian. I was never, I never went to church. I was not baptized. We had no religion whatsoever. Yet we we as a family were all in on Christmas. Loved it. Loved it, completely celebrated it, and just, we weren't religious. But it was Christmas. And I suppose you could say, yes, though I am not Christian, that my, uh, you know, my grandparents well, this is where it gets complicated, that I found out through the genetic testing. My father's parents were both born into a Roman Catholic church, and they, my grandfather, specifically my father's father, also named Frank Nora, uh, he specifically rejected. He became atheistic. He he became an atheist. And he didn't even want to have a Christmas tree, but my grandmother uh, pushed back, and they celebrated Christmas. He wanted to be completely atheist. But um, my grandmother, who wasn't really that into religion, she was not into religion at all, but she was raised Catholic, um, she wanted to have the Christmas, but I'm assuming without a lot of the Christ stuff. My mother's side, you know, her, my mother's mother, was more of, of a Protestant religion. And I, and I talked to, my my mother passed away last year, and I, I talked to her about about that. She said her family didn't go to church either, but... My mother actually wanted to go to church, but then there were some incidents that turned her off the church as well. Um, She was interested in going to church. Uh, Of course, I found out through genetic testing that my biological grandfather, someone that we know nothing about, was Jewish. He was an Ashkenazi Jew. And, uh, you know, we knew some Jewish kids and we knew, oh, yeah, they, they celebrate Hanukkah, you know, a different thing. But I don't really remember anyone being sore, any Jewish kids. There were a bunch of Jewish kids I knew. Not, you know, like in my neighborhood, and there were some Jewish kids, and oh yeah, they celebrate Hanukkah, they got their presents a little bit early, but it wasn't like they were begrudging anyone because of Christmas. And I even, I think that, uh, I don't know, I think a lot of uh, Jewish kids did also celebrate Christmas, as far as I know. Well, the more secular Jews, right, would, would celebrate Christmas anyway, as well. And now I know a lot of people who are sort of, the husband is Jewish, the wife is has Christian roots, whatever. There's a bunch of people I know now, and they just celebrate both, right? Uh, and they don't really—they're not—the the key to this whole thing is that, right, th- none of them are particularly religious, but they, they observe the um, the tradition. So they will do Hanukkah, and they will do Christmas. It um, doesn't seem to be a big deal. And then, you know, the people that are atheistic, or the people who are Jehovah's Witnesses, because we had— some Jehovah's Witnesses in our neighborhood as well, and they uh, didn't celebrate Christmas, right? And though they were very Christian in their own way, uh, they didn't think that these sort of celebrations were appropriate. Uh, Their interpretation of the Bible is that you should only celebrate God, you shouldn't be celebrating all this other stuff. But I don't really remember anyone being all that sore about people calling it Christmas, saying Merry Christmas, or having Christmas parties. Uh, The whole war on Christmas, you know, wherever it came from, it became kind of uh, a stigma to say Merry Christmas. You had to say Happy Holidays instead. Um, And, you know, the idea is that I think this was this was not I mean, again, there's probably a million articles about this online. And I know I'm talking about my, my own very limited memories of my own very narrow experience living in New Jersey as a kid in the 70s, 80s. <coughs> um, but I don't remember there being that much of an issue. Once it started to be pushed as an issue, everyone got real sensitive about it. Oh, we can't talk about Christmas anymore. But Christmas was – half of Christmas is right, – more than half of Christmas is completely not religious. Right? It's completely secular. The whole Santa Claus thing, Christmas trees, you know, all the different traditions, the decorations on the tree, and uh, the Yule log, whatever. Yule is, you know. I also have known people who are um, Wiccan, you know, the, the 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 newfangled witchcraft. Our friends actually tried to get us into their coven, and uh, I certainly did not want to do that, you know. And I, and as I've described it, you know, I have always, though I've never been religious, I do. Uh, Tend to think that uh, the uh, existence of supernatural forces are likely. I would ascribe a you know a larger percent chance to there being supernatural forces than that. It seemed like the Wiccans were dabbling with supernatural entities that they knew very little about. You know, especially because modern Wicca is not an unbroken tradition. It was sort of slapped together, I think, in the late 19th century and then into the 20th century (coughs) as a sort of a mishmash of whatever was left of older traditions. And, um, you know, I personally would not want to be involved in it because I don't know the forces that I'm contacting or, you know, especially my thought that there's supernatural beings out there that would normally just leave you alone unless you invite them in, unless you sort of make yourself, you know, you wouldn't invite the presence of these beings through deliberate intent, like rituals and stuff. So I always thought that was really hazardous. But they celebrate Yule. Yule is the name of they celebrate it on the solstice, you know. And they have all these Maybon is like in the spring and whatever. They have they have all four of the, the solstices and the equinoxes. And then in between each of those, there's like eight named festivals in, in, in Wicca. So I don't know if they're sore about people celebrating Christmas or not, but, uh, you know, there's been this whole, you know, sensitivity towards the whole, oh, happy holidays, even to the point that um, I think that uh, in Bryant Park, you know, they, you know, New York City, they they had, I think, the you know, they wouldn't call it the Christmas Village, they were, I think they were calling it the Holiday Village, but then they stopped calling it the Holiday Village and they started calling it the Winter Village. I think cuz even mentioning that it was a holiday involved was, like, sort of supposedly offending some people. So, anyway. Uh. Yeah. It w- it, so, it, it seems like kind of a phony war, like the war on Christmas. Kind of unnecessary. Um. But anyway, now I I, I describe sort of how I I felt about Christmas when I was a kid. And I still celebrate Christmas. We have a Christmas tree right inside. We decorate for Christmas. We get together for Christmas. But, you know. um, I feel like as an adult, um, the world we're living in for anyone is... Um, you know, it's tough. It's, there's it's difficult to live in, in this world and that you 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 construct coping strategies that help you get through the day. and the holidays represent a deviation, it re- represent a disruption in into your usual coping strategies. And it can feel like uh, a, more of an intrusion. And I've what I've sort of felt in you know recent like the past 10 or 15, 20 years, like, it feels like this Christmas thing just comes up way too often. I've even, I, you know, I've said that, you know, couldn't it be like the presidential elections or the Olympics every four years? Oh, I know we have Olympics every two years now. They, but they used to have the winter and the summer Olympics in the same year. The same, And usually the same year as the presidential elections, you know. 80, 84, 88, 92, you know, that kind of that cadence. Um, I'm like, I think Christmas would be more special if we celebrated it every four years. Cause it seems like it comes up way too often. And, you know, this year I didn't really notice it too much. But the idea that they keep starting Christmas earlier and earlier, like in stores, like in September, you start seeing Christmas stuff. You know, October, Christmas stuff starts, you know, and the Christmas music. Um, I haven't really had too much of that this year. I don't know what it is. It's just I guess I'm kind of very isolated working from home and stuff, not being, really being around of course, in New York City, they have the big Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center. Remember I remember I was recording that one time. I went to go see it, and I was, like, stuck in a crowd for hours. It was wild. Um, I don't think they call it a Christmas tree anymore. I don't even know. How, how how do they get away with that, having a tree? And I know, you know, people places that have Christmas trees also have menorahs. Like, at my, I went into my into the office this past week, and there's a menorah there. You know, the, the lights, the Festival of Lights, It just... uh you know, for in the Jewish religion, Hanukkah is definitely not one of the more important of the holidays, right? It's it's sort of a more minor celebration of these lights. Um, you know, it's weird now that I have found out that, at least uh, in terms of a heritage, that I have Jewish uh, heritage, you know, I have, I mean, I personally don't have any desire to, you know, Celebrate any Jewish stuff, because, you know, I'm not Jewish, but I have Jewish heritage. I mean, I do think about it, but it doesn't, it's not necessary. Um, but I can understand if one parent is Jewish, one is Christian, and they're, they don't really, they're not really that religious, yeah, you just celebrate both. And the kids get more toys. <coughs> yeah. Um, and then there's this whole Kwanzaa thing that, um, I know I've researched it over the years, and it's just, uh I'm not really sure what Kwanzaa is all about, but that has to be included in all the celebrations. I don't know how many people actually celebrate Kwanzaa, but it also has a menorah kind of set of candles, right, for, for Kwanzaa. And it's sort of, my impression of it is that it is um, an African-American tradition, right, that sort of is is, is based on African traditions more, uh, you know, in Chris. Christmas is based on very European tradition. So you might want to say, you know, like, people who don't have European roots might want to sort of find a, a celebration, a winter celebration, that is using more of their tradition, you know. I'm trying to think what other ones. I don't know. And then, what's the one in India? There's an Indian one, too. A celebration of lights. Is it Diwali, or? I'm not sure. Um, but... Yeah. And then they also say, and this is, again, something that might be, you know, something people say, but it's, it seems like a lot of people get very depressed around the holidays. Not only does the the lack of light kind of contribute to a sort of a sour mood that people um, who maybe maybe don't have uh, as much of a family or as much gatherings, they can get very depressed during the holidays. You hear about that as well. People are very upset during the holidays because they see everyone else getting together and having fun and they're not involved and you know now of course we're talking about holiday stuff we're assuming you know so our holiday season is technically begins with thanksgiving in late november (coughs) and then traditionally that's the beginning of christmas because you know the macy's thanksgiving day parade at the very end of the parade santa claus arrives and that's when you should start putting out a Decorations and stuff, and um, my my next door neighbors who actually moved to Texas a year or two ago, they went nuts with the the, the decorations on their front yard, and I kind of dug it. It was kind of kind of cool, but it was like as many decorations as they could possibly put in their in their yard. They did, and it was. I kind of dug it. I kind of get the sentiment, but a lot of people just criticize them about it. They eventually they had these archways going over the sidewalk with lights and they were trying to get everyone to do it all the way down the block and I wasn't 100% against it but I never really felt like I wanted to do it as it is I have I have two uh, deer sort of abstract deer in my front yard with lights on them so at least they have some kind of decorations you know we have a wreath on our on our door, front door um, you know I just sort of feel like I don't want to stand out I don't want to be I don't want to have like look at me look at me that kind of stuff you know but we have something. We at least we have something. We're not complete Scrooges, as they say, you know. But and uh, <coughs> yeah, someone posted about uh, it's not Christmas till uh, Hans Gruber falls off the no- Nakatomi Tower. Yes, Die Hard, the ultimate Christmas movie. I just watched that. I actually, it was funny. I was on the plane, and uh, and I uh, I watched. Um, down to Georgia when we went to Tennessee and I watched Die Hard and everyone's like is it a Christmas movie or not I think it is a Christmas movie it's a great movie I was watching it with the sound off on the airplane it was great it was just amazing to watch it that way I was playing Fleet Devil Solitaire and just watching on the, on the video screen on the seat the Christmas movie Die Hard and of course finally I must mention of course our patron saint here on the Overnight Escape Underground Gene Shepard who is now best remembered for *A Christmas Story*, a movie that uh, one of the biggest Christmas movies uh, in these modern times. And um, at least he survives on through that. And maybe a few people will, dis- will discover his radio show from that, but who knows? I think pe- most people just know uh, the *Christmas Story*. And there was a there was like a, a new *Christmas Story* movie where Ralphie's now like 80 years old. Now he's like f- 50, 50 or 60 years old now, and I didn't watch it. I, I have no interest in it, but I do wonder if they mention Gene Shepard or you hear his voice or anything. I, I, I don't know, though, but anyway.
0: Happy Holidays!
2: Back to you, PQ.
0: Oh, man. That that was, I, I got to tell you, Frank, that was perhaps uh, as Shepard-esque. I mean, you really carried that, brought it up, Maintained. I mean, you may not have digressed sufficiently for it to be uh, a bona fide uh, Shep monologue, but that was really that. That was awesome. And uh, yes, and and seasons greetings. And yes, I, I'm in a hundred percent the concurrence. I've said this in years past. I don't understand why December fifth just cannot be allowed to be Christmas. All of these other holidays were never any big to do. Uh, Hanukkah was elevated fairly. I mean, that, you know, Jewish kids didn't, you know, they certainly, I can understand that uh, Jewish parents didn't want their children to suddenly adapt a uh, holiday based around the Christ child. So they found some festival of lights that. Was really like that, uh, barely a recognized thing, and yeah, it's a great story. So they built it up, and kids and and their kids get eight days of presents. I, or at least used to. I don't even know anymore. I mean, we did, and we didn't have the tree. Like I, uh, in, uh, intimated, uh, the tree was at. You know, the, the, my dad's house where the, and it's just, thinking back, I have a half brother and stepsister whom aside from Christmas and rare occasions when I was younger, uh when I was younger that the the parents were friends somehow, uh that they all hung out together and did things together. I'm not sure exactly what happened but that faded over time. So really as I got older uh the, the only time I would see these siblings was they were much younger than me. The sisters four years younger than me and my stepbrothers like that's 7 8 years younger than me, maybe more. Uh, uh it's the it, it's especially my brother uh, we kind of know each other, and when we're uh, we stay in touch on Facebook, but uh, we don't really know each other. I don't know him, he doesn't know me. It, it's just so strange, all that. But yeah, uh, the the the, the Christmas and going, yeah, going to my father's house where I was always because I I knew I was uh tended to, in other people's homes, be a little too loud, too, to me, whatever I was. I hate that I didn't know the name ADHD or Asperger's. I just knew that I tended to make people anxious. So, uh, yeah, and my stepmother, that, that the problem with Christmas for me was I was a very picky eater, and... By the time I was six, seven, eight years old and I started going to these Christmases at my father's home, uh, I was accustomed to being accommodated. Whereas the children in that particular household, uh, if it was put in front of them, they were expected to eat it whether they liked it or not. And uh, yeah, there were a couple of Christmas standoffs, and certainly they couldn't excuse me, because that would set a poor, awful example uh, that perhaps their policies were dictatorial. Oh, man. Oh, what a life we lead. But um, I still regardless of that that's the thing you get older and yeah you forget the holiday and you dismiss it and you do other things and oh i hate christmas but you know the nostalgia kicks in when you become an old geezer like pq river it happens and uh yeah well uh, of course i hope If uh, we don't encounter one another, which we probably, I mean, unless this patch gets done and you hear me there, uh, have an incredible Christmas. And I don't mean to minimize whatever holiday you may be celebrating instead of Christmas. Of course. I wish you splendid and perfect times for whatever you choose. It's just solstices or Kwanzaa's or the festive use for the rest of yous. Uh, however that works out. It's just cranky old P.Q. River. Uh, he, he means you no genuine harm. In fact, he's going to invite you right now to join him next week in the post- Christmas, pre-New Year's, end of the year, fabulous overnight scape central gathering that will take place right here. And uh, the topic, Yeah, other than, you know, if you have any summing up of the year, by all means, uh, comments, whatever, uh, but the topic will be just uh, that guy Frank was talking about, Gene Shepard, because in recent times, I don't think we've... Uh, uh, Said enough, the patch that I am producing will have some Gene Shepard on it. Um, That is for sure. So if nothing else, it will be there. But if you dig through the OnSug, there are plenty of programs I have done with Inclusions of Gene Shepard. And uh, you can just get the pure mainline stuff. I mean, nowadays, there's... Many of his programs have been migrated to YouTube. So if you search Gene Shepherd J E A N not G E N E shepherd uh in youtube uh it'll bring you up uh, a selection just pick a topic that sounds interesting i mean if there's anybody who is listening to the overnight scape underground at this time who has never indulged themselves in gene shepherd the the pure straight off of the wor airwaves uh, it, it, it it's a treat and if you like this you're going to appreciate that, I think. I mean, is there a, if there is anybody out there who doesn't, up to, then next week is your opportunity. And uh, how this works is uh, the email address. That's the first thing you're going to need. So uh, get your pen and paper here. Okay, it's kpqr.torc at gmail.com saying that again kpqr.torc at gmail.com the deadline for your entry is uh uh, earlier in the day on the 28th of december 2022 but do it now uh do it just as soon as you possibly can because you're going to put it off i know you are and you've been doing it for years and years now and it's time to be part of the magic next week on the overnight scape central and uh yep we're going to talk about gene Shepard and maybe a little uh, 2022 uh review kind of gook kachu and cgi specials of our uh, favorite characters all of this and more right here next week on the Overnight Scape Central. And uh, I must, I certainly have to thank Doc Slees and Frank Edward Nora for uh, uh, putting meat between the bread of P.Q. River on this Overnight Scape Central. And uh, let us have a bigger variety of meats next week. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And uh, until the next time... By all means, let us all set the controls for the heart of the fun.